0: Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 30 is a man that has returned, and a man you know as ET on Twitter. Welcome back to the show, Jepp.
1: Howdy, Pete. How are you going?
0: How was your little three-week vacation from the Plus Six Podcast?
1: Yeah, look, it's busy still here in Perth. Got lots to do. Um, had, um, had some family time as well, but... Um, yeah, look, focusing now on footy now that we we've got a bit of assurance footy's coming back, it's it's exciting and the
0: ball the ball gets rolling again, doesn't it? Very much so. Over the last few weeks, we've had the Michael Jordan last dance Stocko Have you been watching? And what are your thoughts?
1: That's a silly question. Of course, I've been watching. It's the highlight of my week these days. It's um. It's the only thing keeping me sort of semi-sane with no sport on on the telly. So, yeah, loving it, really loving it, reliving my childhood. You know, I I was mentioned before that basketball was my number one sport as a kid, not footy. And, um, yeah, I'm in my element with it.
0: It's been fantastic. Also takes me back uh, to some good memories of the Bulls in the 90s and... uh... Yeah Michael Jordan he was a fantastic player and he was so competitive and I'm just loving every episode and unfortunately there's only four episodes to go but uh, we're um, no doubt both going to thoroughly enjoy those. I did take in the NFL draft as well Jeb back here a couple of weeks ago and uh, that's pretty much been my existence for the last few weeks. Been doing a little bit of deep dive on AFL fantasy and, and a lot of data there as well. What about yourself?
1: yeah look, i um I started really getting back i t- took a break from fantasy to be fair just because of the unknowns but now that um you know in the last couple of days we've got a bit of assurance of of what we're headed and we're looking to to june for a, for a restart it's um you know I pulled the team out again dusted dusted it off and um, highlighted the uh, the players that need to go so to speak and um yeah started planning out some trades so Look, I'm excited. I think many of us in society now just want, you know, sport or some sort of normality back, um, given what we've gone through for the last few months. And, um, yeah, it would be great to have footy back in whatever capacity. I don't think anyone's going to complain about hubs or no hubs and, and whatever else. Everyone just wants footy back. So let's get it back. Um, let the players in AFL work, work out what they need to. I think... At the end of the day, they all both want to play, both parties want to play no matter what. Um, a lot of innuendo around unhappy players' associations and the like that I just, I'm not buying into at in the minute. Um, but yeah, it's exciting that we, we've got a goal, a goal sort of end date. And um, yeah, we can ramp up fantasy footy in the background as well. One of our, uh, you and I,
0: that's our favourite hobby, isn't it, mate? For sure. Jep and I will keep the conversation going about football. we will obviously got a few weeks remaining at the very least with no footy. The goal for Jep and I is to remain sharp and alert for our listeners so that when footy does return, we are fully equipped to crush. Again, Jep, footy looks like it's uh, returned to training in a couple of weeks, approximately. And a mid-June start, it will be great to get footy back. Moving forward to AFL Fantasy, if the AFL resumes at a near normal fixture what are your thoughts that could happen for the afl fantasy game my thoughts are that if we are at a near normal fixture i suspect we might have three trades for rounds two three and four any thoughts any different thoughts there yeah look that that's probably likely given
1: we're going to have a lot of change so A lot of our fringe players that we have in our teams, namely the Rooks, probably won't be there um, with the restart. So there's no guarantee that most of them are going to be there, is there? So we probably need that buffer. Um, Well, most coaches will, and I think that evens it up. So yeah, that's a reasonable suggestion.
0: Previously on the Plus Six podcast, episodes 27, 28, and 29 covered off on the round one centre bounces and some key points on certain players. The next few episodes, Jep and I will focus on ownership at certain positions and trading strategies. Jep, let's get on to it. The top 25 defender ownership and trading strategies. Four defenders were ranked highly in the top 25 to begin round one. Sam Doherty, he was 96% owned by the top 25. The overall competition owned was 49.4%. Jep, there's no surprises here. That the top twenty-five highly ranked teams owned Sam Doherty to begin with. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. It's um, you know, he produced a goods round one, didn't he? So he looks, he probably was one that you know enjoyed the break a little bit and can you know re retest his body now
0: and, and get going again. So yeah, Doc Doc's doing his job. Dan Houston, he was eighty-eight percent owned by the top twenty-five ranked teams. The overall. Competition ownership was 47.8%. That midfield usage for Houston is strong, Jep, and should be still strong even with the return of Ollie Wines.
1: Yeah, agreed. There are reservations of how he got to his score in round one against the Suns. So, you know, scoring, what was it, in the low 70s from memory, um, I don't think he's a given. But at the same time, there's still the value there for the short term. Um, so he, he scored 79 there, Pete. So it's a bit of a bit of a mission to get
0: to that 79, um, but at, at the same time he still still has good value. He started slowly in, in the first half, Jep, in the Gold Coast game, and in the second half, where there were only two goals kicked, there were a lot of um, in play scenarios where he was able to get involved from the ball moving up and down the ground, and that's where his score started to elevate. So. For me, I don't think there's any concerns. His centre-bounce attendances were strong in round one, so for me, I'm quite okay with Dan Houston. Dylan Roberton was also wholly owned by the top 25 at 72%, Jep. Overall competition owned was 49%. Roberton is one player we might start to look at for an early upgrade, Jep, or to move on due to a restricting scoring role, Jep.
1: Yeah, look, it was um, not ideal, was it? So... We, we spoke about this a bit at times ago, and I think, you know, it's pretty sure what his role looks like. It's, it's more of a lockdown and not a freed up role, isn't it? So, yeah, look, I think making a move there is a smart play. And, um, look, personally, I've got Brand on my bench. So if Brandon does get a gig in round two, I'll probably look at that move.
0: Yeah, that ownership is high for Robertson, so this is an opportunity to possibly go in a different direction, Jeb.
1: Absolutely, spot on,
0: and that's the biggest
1: reason for it. You know, I'm I'm hoping, you know, the majority stick with Robertson just to try get a leg up and, and get that variance.
0: It's only a small sample size one round, but there were a few concerns in round one for Robertson. On to Jared Brander, 72% owned by the top 25, Jeb, in round one and the overall competition owned was 35.2% and obviously as you can see the one round scoring size for the overall top 25 the ownership is much higher than what the overall competition was so that's pretty straightforward there Jeb, the job security for Branda is uh, quite sketchy I suspect at this stage the top 25 will rely heavily on him being available in round two, especially at 72% owned. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, it's just his job security, isn't
0: it? Yep. The top three ranked teams, Jet, all started with Doherty, Houston, Roberton and Brandon in round one. Your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, there you go. So who wants...
0: So that surprises me, doesn't it? But I suppose they were given picks at the start of the
1: season, so there are no surprises there, but it just shows... Like um, it only takes those one or two, three uniques in, in a twenty-two to to get you up um, in a top three scenario. So yeah, look, I think this, the backline most of the preseason was was probably the the biggest given in all the positions, if that makes sense. Um, you know, the R two caused a lot of grief, but I think for and I remember from my planning that um, my defense was pretty pretty solid um, for most of the preseason. So. It doesn't actually surprise me.
0: Jep, other players of note were Jeremy Howe, 48% owned by the top 25. He'll be a popular trade in target, Jep, but those fantasy coaches now in a chase for overall rank might have to take on Howe and fade him. Your thoughts there?
1: Look, Howe's dependent on Magic, isn't it? Or like the, the key defenders, because. Having imagined there as a lockdown defender in the Pies' backline, one, uh, freed up Jeremy out considerably. So there, there looks to be a tweak to his role. I um, I'm going to personally let it play out. I don't think panel. I think the penalty of a bit of cash in round two, or you know after round two, is is um, something I'm willing to bear. It's
0: just that forty eight percent, Jeb. I suspect the top 25 are going to be looking at his score, especially for those who don't own him. And I suspect the remaining players in AFL fantasy will target how So it's just one opportunity to take on a popular trade target, especially if you think his scores are going to be obviously far less than what they were in round one.
1: Yeah, and look, I think that the. <laughs> We've got to really look at this as if you're bringing Howe in, you're bringing him in for pretty much the long term. So yep. are we are we assured of his role? I think his role is still at risk. I think from team to team, Buckley will look at playing the extra tall defender. I don't think um, he's necess- You know, how's necessarily going to be freed up for the whole season. So very interesting. I think I'm going to look personally, I'm probably going to let it play out in round two and, and reanalyse his role then um, and have a look. What, what they do, especially against a smaller Richmond forward line um, and how that affects Jeremy Howe um, and then make a call from there, buddy.
0: Yeah, for me, I'm looking at just a strategic point of view of, of trading in AFL Fantasy. Each of the top six teams own Jeremy Howe in round one. So if we are to crash through a brick wall and to start leaping over other fantasy coaches, Howe's probably not one player that I'm going to look at. On to Brodie Smith, 28% owned by the top 25. Smith was the number one ranked player at the Crows for centre bounces at halftime in round one. He missed the entire third quarter due to injury. He could be a decent hold, Jeb.
1: Yeah, it's a risk,
0: but I agree with that. So, you know,
1: he he had a niggle that he couldn't get over and then forced back on the ground, I suppose, in that last quarter and and got through. So he's had plenty of time to recover, obviously. So, yeah, it's... um, for those worried about you know, a small loss in the, in the next couple of rounds um, from a salary point of view, I think long-term, and I'm a Brodie Smith owner, my attitude doesn't change with Brodie. So, yeah, he stays
0: for me. Jack Crisp was owned by 20% of the overall top 25. The game flow for Crisp wasn't ideal in round one, jet, with the Bulldogs struggling to take the ball inside 50. He could be another decent hold for me. Yeah, and again,
1: we we got to back out. Back our assumptions in our in our um, study in the preseason. Like again, so Crisp and Brodie Smith are my top two defenders um, in the pecking order, and I'm backing myself on why I picked him initially. You know, a knee jerk reaction to get rid of arguably the, one of the best scoring fantasy scoring defenders is you've got to come up with a pretty good um, argument, as my opinion.
0: Yeah, I suspect a more competitive game will see the score increase for, for Crisp and obviously his high ceiling does come into play and I think his average will start to increase, no doubt for me, Jep. The average salary spent on defenders in round one by the top 25 was $2.90 million, Jep. The number one overall ranked team spent the fewest dollars at $2.62 million, while the highest spend was at $3.42 million by the number four ranked team. Jep, you spent 3.17 million on your starting six defenders in round one. I spent 2.46 million on my starting six defenders in round one. Obviously, there's a massive difference between your strategy for your defense and my strategy. Compared to the top 25, Jep, you did spend quite a bit. Yeah, look,
1: and and that was really to – I didn't like the defender rooks at the time. Um, that was driven by that. You know, my, my cheapest was Isaac coming at D6. So, look, that, those numbers don't surprise me. Yet, but, um, yeah, okay, you know, one-round data, not, not ideal. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I, I love the different strategies of teams, especially at the start of the season. Because to me, like I said earlier – my back six were pretty pretty locked in for most of most of the pre season. Like I really had minimal movement in that back six. Mm. Um, where you know your your strategy was completely opposite to mine. So and this is what I love. Like this is the, my favourite part of the game is is understanding why and, and then you know effectively trying to say ha ha told you so type thing. But in this case you know the the eggs on my face so to speak. And um, but you know. In one round and we can see what happens here on in.
0: Yeah, you just didn't get the payoff from uh, Jack Crisp or Brody Smith in round one. So yeah. I don't think that's that much of an issue at this stage, especially when I think um, those averages will increase from both of those players. The average score by starting six defenders in round one by the overall top 25 was 410.4 points. The highest score was 490 points. By the number four overall ranked team, who obviously spent the highest amount of money in his starting six, uh, with the lowest at 323 points by the number twelve ranked team. Jeb, so it just shows you there that the scoring can be quite varied, uh, from you know 323 points and 490 points. But you know, obviously they still got the uh, job done in round one. Yeah, they did, mate.
1: And you know, it's a credit credit to that. That strategy and yeah, I, I'm. I've just um, you just got to plan out these later rounds, don't you? And, and see, really, like again, I think what's going to take us advantage. And I'll take this opportunity to bring up this topic now. Is if we're going to have you know a condensed season and you know reduced um, six uh, recovery times, you know, if if teams are playing every six days for a while, we're going to we're going to actually have more of the list play and, and more rookies play essentially so look early on who knows how that that pans out i think everyone's going to be pretty fresh from an injury standpoint um but yeah we um you know spending less and, and sort of cashing in on, on the rooks and the, and the value picks really is i think it's going to be the winning strategy
0: yep we'll move on to what our sixth defender scored in round one Let's take note of the top 25. Again, averaged 410.4 points. The highest, 490 points. And the lowest out of that top 25 is 323 points. Jeff, your starting six defenders scored 324 points. Obviously, you spent up big and did not get the payoff. Yeah, it hurts. Hurts a little bit, mate. But like I said, I'm
1: backing in Brody Smith and Jack Crisp to, to bounce back. And and that's from all the research of pre season. Um, you know, Brody Smith again we we saw part, portions of his role through the midfield but yeah look it's it didn't pay off in round 1 but he's hoping it pays off
0: later on my six defenders scored 314 points in round 1 so just 10 points short of yours and I was about 700k cheap cheaply <laughs> in salary so but obviously obviously I was pretty thin in defense, and obviously, once again, you didn't get the payoff, but it just shows you that, I mean, you can pick any amount of players for any amount of salary, and look, you're 700k more than me, and we pretty much scored the same in round one. And that's
1: that's really got to be the moral of this, I think, for the listeners, is to, you know, as much as it's a long season and all of that, it's really grasping at the value and picking, you know, backing yourself. Like, you backed yourself and you've been pretty stubborn with your picks all pre-season and you've been assured of yourself. And and I think you've done well on the defender line. I think there is a risk going forward with your setup, but at the same time, you've got the the leg up on me um, by a considerable margin um, because... If, yeah, the primos and the guys I needed to, to score well just didn't.
0: I guess me being pretty thin in defence, need some options to come into AFL teams uh, at rounds two, three, and four. Otherwise, it, uh, most of my trades could be centred around my defence, which is probably not going to be ideal. Anyway, Jeff, so our common starting six defenders are Sam Doherty, Dan Houston, and Dylan Roberton. There is no moving on from Houston and Doherty. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, they're not
1: there to stay for sure. Uh,
0: but obviously we can see an argument for moving on Robert and due to role. And obviously what we can see is high ownership in that top 25. Your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, agreed. I think that um, if I can make that move, pending other you know, team selection for round two, um, I will be making that move absolutely. Um, I'm not.
0: That's pretty high on my agenda. Jep, your other three defenders are Jack Crisp, 20% owned by the top 25 with a break-even of 88. Brody Smith, 28% owned by the top 25 with a break-even of 90. You're going to hold those guys, obviously?
1: Yeah, I, I think I have to. I think I just need to back in what I what I selected them for um, and yeah, take the hit as a financial hit, that is, in the short term. Um, but but see it through. So um, that's that'll be my strategy. I've got quite a few issues I want to iron out, and, um, yeah, I, I think backing in my primos is what I'll be doing.
0: And you've got Isaac coming there at 8% owned by the top 25, and he has a break-even of 31, so you might want to do some trading scenarios around him as well. For me, I have James H at 4% owned by the top 25. Here's a break-even at 59 I got Jared Brander, who I did start in the in the top six for my defense. At 72% owned by the top 25, he has a break-even of minus four. So I'm happy, with obviously, with that break-even, but the job security for me is very sketchy, I think. Fisher McCassie is at 4% owned. I did start with him in the starting six. Um, his score was quite low, and there's some trade issues there, because I don't think he will be there at round two. He has a break-even at 35, which he might even struggle to get there in the first place. So again there, HM McCassie are unique to the top twenty-five and Macassie is the issue heading into round two for me. Jeb, the top twenty-five defender ownership and trading strategy article is available now on AFRatings.com AU under fantasy. Next week you and I will break down the all important midfielders. It would be great to have a look at your team and my team compared to that top twenty-five. Your thoughts there? Yeah, look, midfielders is another
1: it's probably my biggest problem line. Um, I went for a couple of primos as a short-term boost, um, one of them being the bont. Um, so, yeah, that didn't pay off. So, yeah, there might be uh, some spend-to-point ratio comparisons, again, that, that don't look in my favour, but that's okay. It's all part of the fun, and I'm um, looking forward to to really digesting those midfielders. And, and um, you know... It, we've got to really discuss is viney a short-term thing you know you did shield again
0: produce the goods he's not the most consistent so there's a lot to discuss next week regarding the mids and if you can sort out that weather in perth to make sure that we don't have any storms (laughs) when we're recording this podcast that'd be great as well i might not have a roof in my
1: house for the end of the night it is how it's actually one of the it's pretty bad like Yeah, I can't remember being this bad for a while. So, yeah, um, we'll see if my pool cover's still on my pool by
0: the end of the night. Yeah, very much so. So apologies to the sound or audio there from listeners, but uh, Jeppo had a bit of a storm issue in Perth. Uh, Before I close this podcast, if you'd like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few away at the midpoint of the 2020 season. Jeppo, on that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.